earlier, uh, at the end of the service, we're going to have the ministry team up here to pray for people. But I also want the ministry team to be alert to going out and, and speaking a word over somebody here or words over people that God's impressed on you. If somebody comes up to you and, and they say, can I, I have a word for you? And uh, I'm telling you, it's not going to be negative. If it is, come talk to me. Okay, but if, if somebody says, I've got a word for you, they want to bless you, or they just say, I want to bless you. This is what the Lord's impressed on me to share with you. Listen, receive it, because these people, are they hear from God, and they really want to impart what God's put in the heart to impart to you, and it can be a great encouragement to you. This, uh, this, Sunday, we're, this Sunday, I've started a new series called WDJD, and, and Rodney ran right into the W, so I, it was so funny. It was just like, bam, you know? I was going to say, what did Rodney do? But we all know what he did. But so many, how many of you have a bracelet or a T-shirt or a cap that has WWJD on it or a bumper sticker? It's, it's kind of a common phrase. It's been going around for a long time. Uh, and it refers to what would Jesus do in certain situations. You come upon a certain situation in life, circumstance in life, an event in your life, and you're, you're faced with a, with a response. And the WWJ, what would Jesus do? Because if you, if you would respond the way Jesus would respond, it would be a good response, right? But I've, God laid this on my heart to say, you know, a lot of people don't know what Jesus would do because they don't know what Jesus did. And so if you don't know what he did, you're not going to know what he would do. And so as we begin this journey through Luke, the book of Luke, and we'll be going to the other gospels, of course, and other scriptures, but we're starting this journey after after he was born and he, he, was, he was raised by Mary Joseph, we don't know what time Joseph left or died. There, there's no historical reference or biblical reference to when Joseph left. We just know he wasn't there at the end. But at the, about the age of 30, the Bible speaks, that he was over 30 years of age, um, Jesus began his ministry. So we think of 30 years he just lived as a, as a human being. He, he, there's no record that he did anything except the one time in the temple where he was teaching at the age of 12. And he was said, I want to be about my father's business. But we have no record up until this time where he comes to be baptized by John the baptizer, John the Baptist. And so when we look at these scriptures, we're going to talk about the two baptisms that I want to speak about today that happened in these two, these two or three verses that we're going to look at. And we'll look at some other verses related to baptism. That's why when we baptized this morning, uh, I didn't want to go into a lot of detail because I'm going to go into some detail about water baptism and why we need to be baptized but the basis for this sermon series is found in John 14. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14. And I'm going to be reading from the expanded Bible. That, to me, is more like a, a newer version of the Amplified Bible. Uh, it really makes it clear, and it breaks it down a little bit more, uh, more clearly, maybe, for you and for me, as we look at this thing about what did Jesus do. Uh, because if we're going to do what Jesus did, we need to know what he, already, what he has already done. And so he speaks to his disciples in John 14. He is prepping them for his crucifixion. Uh, they're not understanding it all, but he is prepping them. He's teaching them. He's almost giving them a crash course in theology and doctrine to, before he goes to the cross. Okay? And so he has his group of disciples together, and he speaks this to them. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you the truth. Truly, truly, I say to you. Now, when Jesus said something twice, Listen, he, was, he really meant it. He actually meant it the first time, but I'm, he's telling like, you really need to get this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the same things that I do. Did, did y'all hear that? 
Now, you're going to say, a lot of people are going to say, well, he's talking to the disciples, and they needed to do those things because the church needed to get the kickstart. But it doesn't say that, does it? He says, whoever, are you a whoever? Whoever believes, he says, whoever believes in me will do the same things that I do. Now, most people will just stop right there and go, I can't do the same things that Jesus did. I'm not Jesus. I'm not perfect. I can't. And, and you, you can list all the excuses that you want why you don't do what Jesus did. But if you go back to the scripture, that kind of wipes out all of your excuses. Wouldn't you agree, Randy? It wipes out your excuse right there. Because Jesus said, if you're a whoever and if you believe in him, you're going to do what he did. We try to complicate it. Don't we? I want everybody to stand to your feet real quick. Just stand to your feet. Come on. Everybody get to your feet. Now you can be seated. Was that complicated? Some people are just now getting it. I got to stand. (laughs) That's a little complicated. Was that complicated? See, Jesus wasn't complicated. He didn't have some, oh, I'm going to give him a secret here, and, and, and I'm not going to hide some things from him. He said, look, if you believe in me, whoever believes in me, you're going to do what I did. And we try to complicate that. I can't do that. Well, you can. In Christ, you can. And then he goes on to say, listen, if that wasn't enough. The next part of that verse says, those who believe will do even greater things than these. Say greater things. Now, we, he's got to be kidding there, right? He's got he, to be misleading us there somehow, right? No. He is saying what he's saying because he wants to believe what he is teaching us and that we will do what he commands us to do. It's that simple. It's like when you tell your son or your daughter, go clean your room. And they, they come back with all sort of excuses. And the bottom line is, no, son, no, daughter, I told you to clean your room, clean your room. So God is not complicated when we try to make him complicated. Look at the rest of the verse. He said, I'm going to the Father. You're going to have to do what I did because I'm not going to be here. That's what he's saying. Uh, you, whoever believes in me, you're going to have to do what I've been doing, what I've done, what I've shown you to do. You're going to have to do not, even, not just that, but more than what I've done. You're going to have to do these things because I'm going to the Father. I'm, ex- I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go sit at the right hand of the Father. And he says this, they will do greater things because all believers say, I'm a believer. Not just Jesus will have the Holy Spirit living in them and empowering them. Say empowering. So you got the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, but he wants to empower you with the Holy Spirit to do the works of Jesus. It's not you. It's him doing it. You just got to get out of his way. And then he says, if you ask anything, if you ask for anything in mind, say anything. If you ask for anything in my name, asking in my name means acknowledging that Jesus is the mediator between God and human beings, and the name represents a person. There's power in the name of Jesus. I will do it for you so that the Father's glory will be shown. The Father might be glorified through or in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that doesn't... When you say ask for anything, he's saying in my name. It's got to be according to his will, according to his plan. If you're asking for things outside of his will, you're asking for things that are ugly, that are rebellious, that are obnoxious, he's not going to give you those things because he's not going to get glory from those things. When you ask for something that's going to glorify God, he's going to partner with you and give you what you need. Oh, that was weak. Amen. God is waiting to partner up with us. 
He wants the glory for it, and he gets the glory for it. Verse 15, he keeps going a little bit further. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Or if you love me, obey my commands. This may be either a declaration or a command. I think it's both. I love you, Lord. I'm going to obey you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then obey me. It's this commandment to obey him. Again, it's not rocket science. When he said to keep, when he said to, to love him and love people, he meant it. When he said to do the works that I've called you to do, do the works that I've done, he meant it. So, guys, you don't have any excuses. We just don't have any excuses. So how do we do this? How do we be the hands and feet? How do we how do we do the things that Jesus did? Well, he goes a little bit further and he explains how that's going to happen. Verse 16. And I will ask the father and he will give you another helper, counselor, advocate, the Holy Spirit to be with you for a little while forever. See, he not only gives us a mandate and the commands, he's going to give you the power to do what he's commanded you to do. That's a pretty good deal. He's going to answer your prayers to give you the power to do what you need to do. All the while, he's going to receive the glory for it. See, a lot of people, they get lost in the, that glory thing. They want the glory for themselves. And God said, you're not going to, don't steal my glory. You're walking on dangerous ground when you go and try to steal God's glory. Do you love him? Obey his commandments. Do you believe him? Do what he did. That's it. God bless y'all for coming. <laughs> Go to Luke chapter 3. No way you're getting out that quick. Luke chapter 3. It's only going to get better. Verse 21. When all the people were baptized... Well, let me lay some groundwork for this. John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. John the Baptist did not know Jesus was the Messiah. Okay, until right before he baptized him. He saw him walking up and said, there's the light of the world. And, and, and so he, he, was, he was not prepared. He didn't know that Jesus was coming this day, I'm pretty sure. And uh, Jesus comes up and John's, he's out there preaching to all the masses. He's preaching to everybody. He said, man, you need to repent. The kingdom of heaven is hand. The Messiah is coming. The Savior is coming. You need to get your heart right. You need to get ready. And people were coming to John the Baptist. He was a weird-looking dude. Out in the, he wore camel's hair, and he ate locusts and honey, and he lived out in the wilderness. And I'm sure his mom and dad were very proud of him. <laughs> Where's your son? Well, he's out in the wilderness. And your son dresses weird. Yeah, I know, but he's doing the work of God. <laughs> but he's out there baptizing people, one after the other. There, I, I can just envision a line of people coming because he's preaching a message of repentance. He's preaching a message of forgiveness. He's preaching a, a message of love. And they're coming one after the other, and they're baptized, he's baptizing. And then Jesus shows up. All the people were baptized. It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. Now, I'm going I'm to go back. I'm going to finish that later. But I want to talk about water baptism first. But Jesus came out of the water, and, and God, the, the heavens opened up. And he came out of the water. He was praying, and God spoke. He said, That's my son. I'm very well pleased with him. What had Jesus done up until that time? Nothing that we have a record of. He was just his son. Did you know that you, God is pleased with you because you're his child? So many people, oh, he's only pleased with me if I'm doing a lot of good things. 
If I'm really doing my father's business, he really loves me, he really pleases me. No, he loves you just the way you are. I know, I know some of you can't con- conceive or have that concept, can't even imagine somebody loving you if you're ugly, if you're mean, if you're hateful. But God loves you. He created you, and he has this beautiful desi- purpose for your life. So he looks at his son, who was perfect, and he says, that's my son. I'm well pleased. Man, he and he's, he, he's well pleased because he's his son. And he's following him. He's being baptized in water. Listen, the first thing that Jesus did was walk in obedience. He was baptized in water. He Did Jesus need to be baptized in water? No. He really didn't because when you're baptized in water, it's because for the remission of your sins. It's to declare that you, have been, you needed to repent of your sins. Jesus said never sinned, so he didn't need to repent. So why was Jesus baptized in water? Because he wanted to identify with sinners. He's a friend of sinners. He came to earth to identify with us, not to become us, not to become a sinner, but to identify with us so we could identify with him. Listen, in Matthew 3, it tells a little bit more detail about this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Jesus came to John, said, I want you to baptize me. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Are you coming to me? He's like, are you kidding? You're Messiah. You want me to baptize you? I'm the one that's dirty. And Jesus said this, as he said to him, permit it to be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, Jesus is saying, I've got to do some things. I've got to set some examples for the body of Christ, for those that are going to come to me to follow. And so one of the the first things Jesus did before he began his ministry was to be water baptized. This morning you saw two people water baptized. They were saying, I follow Christ. I am submitting my life to him. The reason we went down set two times with Hannah is not because she needed to be dunked twice. Because Jim didn't get her whole head under the water. And I'm just kind of a, you know, got to go through, get it all, get all of it. Don't want to leave any part of her brain. <laughs> but it, it means, the word, like Basil said, means to be immersed. The bush. Go under. Yield to him. And so Jesus was saying we need to, Jesus did the very thing that he was setting an example for us to do to begin the work that God had for him to do. So here's the, here's the deal this morning. If you've been saved and you not have, have never been water baptized, sprinkling, listen, in my book, doesn't count. You're not immersed if you're sprinkled. And I'm not here to offend anybody, but if you were sprinkled as a baby, you had no choice in that decision. I believe the Bible teaches that when you come to Christ and you repent, then God, he says, be, be baptized. Go under the water for the remission so you can show the church, so you can show the, the body of Christ, so you can show yourself, I am all in with Jesus Christ. I'm going deep. So if you've been baptized as a baby or you've been sprinkled, but since then you've come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to be water baptized. And it's not so we can go Cha-ching, cha-ching, and numbers go, oh, we got twin baptism, 20 baptism. It's not about that at all. It's, it's for you. Baptism is for you. Water baptism is for you. Say, it's for me. So you're identifying with Christ. So I want you to know Jesus knew that it was important enough to be identified in that way that he set the example of baptism and water baptism. He did something he didn't have to do. But he commands us to be baptized. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe a few things. No, all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus makes it very clear in the mandate, in the Great Commission, 
that we need to be baptized. If you've not been baptized, come see me or go see your pastor. If you go to a different church, doesn't matter. The second thing, does water baptism save us? No, I don't believe water baptism saves anybody. A lot of people go, uh, a lot of people say they make the case for it. You, the Bible says you need to be repent and be baptized for the remission of sin. I know that scripture. And then in Mark 16, 16, it says this, he who believes in me and is baptized will be saved. Okay, there's a good case for being saved and baptized is that you'll be saved. But really, let's read the rest of Mark 16, 16. But he who does not believe will be condemned. It doesn't say he who is not baptized will be condemned. It's he who does not believe uh, believe is condemned. In other words, you've never accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I believe that it's important to be baptized in water. I believe a lot of people go with a thief on the cross wasn't baptized in water, so it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I think if he had come down off the cross, he would have said, where's the water? I think he would have. I think it's, it's one of those things where if you've been saved, and you've not been water baptized for whatever reasons that you want to come up with. That there was a place there of obedience that you the very first thing you said no to God. And there's a you're stymied in your walk with the Lord because you've not followed him in the very first thing he said to follow him with for whatever reason. So. That's the word for you. That's all I'm going to talk about, water baptism. If you've never been water baptized after you were saved, you need to get water baptized. I was baptized like three times. Once when I went to youth camp, I think I got, you know, I just helped me. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. One of those things, I'm a bad little boy. And I got baptized, didn't understand it, didn't know what I was going through. Second time I got baptized by my uncle at the age of 17. I said I'm going to say any more about it, but I am. Okay. 17 years of age, my, I got saved for reals, got baptized by my uncle. And then the third time I got baptized, I, had a, I was joining a church. It was a denominational church, and they required us to be baptized in water if we were going to join their church. That's not scriptural, but you know what I did? I got baptized because I wanted to submit to authority. I wanted to be able to function in that church. But I'm just telling you this morning that the true a result of salvation, the, the first thing that God has asked us to do is to be water baptized. Okay, we're going to move on. He identifies with us there. The second thing we want to talk about, and the more important thing even this morning, is that Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit to minister to us. Baptism in the water is for us. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is really to minister to others. Let's go back to Luke chapter 3. Read that same two, uh, verse again, two verses. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. Say upon him. And a voice came from heaven and said, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. I believe that there's a separate act here of baptisms. Do you all see that? And I'll show you. We're going to go into detail more about it because some of you, we've grown so much. And so many new people have come to our church body. And some people don't really understand. They've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're afraid of the Holy Spirit. They're afraid of the baptism. They don't even like that terminology. And listen, don't get, don't get hung up on the terminology, okay? Uh, whatever you want to call it, it's like calling a hot dog a frankfurter or a weenie. If, if you're hungry, just give it to me, right? So don't get hung up on the terminology. Get hung up on Jesus because he got hung up for us. Amen? That's a T-shirt. But Jesus is baptized, he comes out of the water, heaven's open. That's my son. 
He's a name. He's giving him his identity. That's my son. I'm pleased with you, son. We're going to talk about next week about the first attack that Satan brought against Jesus and his, his identity. But I want to tell you something. From that day forward, Jesus began to minister in power. I'm thinking, I'm just thinking out loud, if Jesus needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you think we need it? Okay. Then why aren't we receiving it? Why aren't we living it? Why aren't we seeing power manifested on the earth as it did in Jesus' day? I know we are seeing a lot of it, but listen, we've only just barely scratched the surface. Barely scratched the surface for what Jesus wants to do, what Jesus did, and he said he wants us to do. Now, first of all, I want to explain the Holy Spirit and the indwelling spirit, and then we'll talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, y'all ready? I believe, and this is my own belief, and if you have different beliefs and you study scriptures and that's how you believe, but this is, this is me. I believe that when we are saved and we surrender our lives to Christ, however you want to call it, uh, there's a religious term, salvation experience, uh, renewed, regenerated, whatever you want to call it. You just know when you surrender your life or give your life to Christ and you come to him, you ask him to forgive your sins and come and live in your heart, however you want to say that. I believe that Jesus really doesn't come and live in our heart. I believe the Holy Spirit comes in. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Okay? It's okay to say it because the three are one and the one are three. All right? But I'm saying, I believe that when we give our life to Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells us. It comes into us. Okay? Let me show you that in Scripture. John 20, John 20, 22. Jesus has already been resurrected. The disciples, I don't believe, were Christians at the time. They they were walking with Jesus, but they had not submitted to the Messiah, to the, the resurrected Savior, because he had not been resurrected yet. Now he's resurrected. Now they see him. Now they trust him. And so he says, he, he speaks to them, and he, and he breathes on them. Listen, and when he, Jesus, had said this, he breathed on them, on his disciples, and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I can just imagine what it's like being in that room surrounded by these 11 men. And they're going, whoa, oh, 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 really? That's just the way I think. She's like, wow, oh, wow, I got it. I've got the indwelling of spirit. I'm a different person. I believe when you're saved, that's what happens. The Holy Spirit comes into you. I also believe this, and people will, will maybe argue this fact. I believe the indwelling Holy Spirit empowers you to live a Christian life. A lot of people, well, I've got to have the baptism to walk in, walk in you know, and to be, to be led by the Spirit. No, I believe the Spirit's in you. He gives you the indwelling Spirit is enough to get you through. The indwelling Spirit's going to get you to heaven. Okay? He, he lives in you. He dwells in you. He's going he's gonna to get you there. He says he comes in forever. He doesn't come and go. But let me show you how there is a differential. There's a difference in the indwelling spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Luke 24, after the resurrection, Jesus has already breathed the, the Holy Spirit into his disciples. And he says in verse 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father, capital P, promise, the Holy Spirit, upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power. Say power. From on high. This tells me that there is a difference. There's, a, there's another act. There's another work of the Holy Spirit 
you comes into you for you to live a Christian life. He comes upon you to affect the world. He comes upon you to advance the kingdom of God. And he says, you need this power. I need this power. I went without this power for 30 years. At the age of 17, I had the indwelling spirit of God. And and at the age of 47, when I said, God, there's got to be more, I was beating my head up against a religious wall. God, is this it? There's got to be more. I'm seeing too many things go wrong. I'm seeing too many people living in poverty and defeat and, and, and in bondage. What more is there? And he said, there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Harold. You just have denied me. You have, you, have made, you have made judgments against me. You said it wasn't real. You said my, my Holy Spirit doesn't really exist that way anymore. I'd made those judgments. And, but at the age of 47, when I had, my head was beaten against the wall, God says, do you really want everything I've got for you, Harold? Yes, Father, I do. He said, okay, you're at the place that you can receive him. You can receive him. And he is a him. We say the Holy Spirit, or you can say Holy Spirit. It's kind of like saying the Jesus or Jesus. Because he is a he. So they're indwelling. They have the indwelling Holy Spirit. And then Luke chapter 24 promises something to come. And then you go to Acts chapter 1. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Because the same person that wrote Luke 24 writes Acts chapter 1. It's a continuation of the story. Luke's writing and talking to Theophilus about this. And he says, being dis- he says this is what Jesus did. Being assembled together with him, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Okay? Jesus is going to leave. Somebody's coming in his place. He says, what you have heard from me, from John truly baptized with water. There's water baptism, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Remember, John even said, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. He said, I, I, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me that's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Say fire. fire. You got it right. First time. Fire. And then they want to go off and ask him some questions. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, when you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which your father has put in his own authority. Verse eight, highlight it, underline it, memorize it. But you shall receive what? What? Power. power. He said you shall receive power. Now, the word power is comes from a Greek word, dunamis, which also means where we get our word dynamite from. So it's a little bit more than power. Power. Another word for power is ability. So let's look at it again. And but you shall receive power, the dynamite ability, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Say upon you. Are y'all seeing the difference here? Breathe the Holy Spirit. They received Him inside. They received Him within. Then He says, "But now wait and go and and, re- and receive Him. He's going to come upon you, and you shall be witnesses." Now look at the look at the outgrowth of the Holy Spirit coming upon. And you shall be witnesses to me or for, to me or for me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit coming upon you is for other people. It was at the age of 47. I was called to go in the ministry at 30. At the age of 47, after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, guess what I did? Went into the ministry, full-time ministry. Guess what? God said, I want you to go into the jails. I want you to tell these hardened criminals about Jesus Christ. I didn't have this second thought, oh, I can't do that, and because Holy Spirit said, I've called you, I've equipped you, you can do this with me. 
And some of you are already making up all you got all these excuses why you're not doing things that Jesus did. And they just they don't wash. They don't wash. Many people don't want to participate with the power of the Holy Spirit because they don't believe that he's relevant anymore. Did did y'all know that? Isn't that crazy that people would think the Holy Spirit has been relegated to the the, the New Testament in that time period? And after all the apostles died in that time period, no moss on the Holy Spirit. All you can do is save people, but nothing else after that. All the other books that were written that talked about the gifts, that talked about the power. Listen, all those are just great history. That's malarkey. Baloney. Right? Because he wrote all those things for us. All the things that he said he did, he said, you're going to do. Whoever. Say, I'm a whoever. I'm I'm amused at some people that take 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. You know what I'm talking about? They want to use these three little verses to negate the power of the Holy Spirit. It just blows my mind. Right in the middle of the love chapter, they go, yep, there it is. Let me read it for you. Love never fails, but when there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. And denominations and, and many churches throughout our, throughout our world use that scripture to say the Holy Spirit doesn't operate like he used to because they don't like some things that the Holy Spirit does, which blows my mind. You want to know a secret where they get that from? Do you know how they define that? Verse 10. But when that which is perfect has come. Now, what would you say if I said, who's the perfect that's coming back? But the den- many people that, den- that deny the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit believe that that perfect there is the word of God when it is canonized, when it's completed, when they dot the, 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 the little end of uh, the amen at the end of Revelation. That's what they say is the, is the perfect has come. Never bore. Listen, the Bible defines the Bible and perfect does not define the word there, even though Jesus is the word. But he's coming back. He hasn't returned yet to come for us. So the perfect has not returned. Is there still knowledge? Just take that one. You don't even have to deal with the rest of them, but there's knowledge, right? Matter of fact, there's more knowledge now than ever in in history, and it keeps increasing by just masses of of knowledge keeps coming because of the technology that we have in this age. So just take that scripture, and if that's one that you're using for to be a cessationist, forget about it. (laughs) Forget about it, right? And if that one is if that one is still bothering you, let's go to Hebrews thirteen eight. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He says, I am the Lord thy God. I do not change. So why do we want to put God in a box that he's not in? It's amazing, isn't it? He is very relevant today. A lot of people don't don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit because of ignorance. Look at Acts chapter 19. I'm so glad we're in the second service because we got more time. Truly am today. Some people just don't know. How many of you grew up in a church that you, they didn't preach much about the Holy Spirit? Ow, okay. So you come here and then, what in the world? <laughs> Some people just aren't taught. 
I, I believe with all my heart because of the powerlessness in the churches that have said no to the Holy Spirit. That's why they have to have great programs. That's why they have to have great light shows and great bands. Great buildings. Because they're trying to do something in the flesh. They're trying to do something to draw people, to woo people. And really what they get, what you get, and I'm, is a great motivational speech week to week. How many of you, how many of you have listened to motivational speeches before? And they, they stir you, right? But they don't sustain you. Do they? You know, Oprah's good and, and Dr. Phil, and they'll, they'll give you some good stuff. And you can read some good books. <laughs> Not your Libre King. <laughs> Go read some books. <laughs> Go to your room. That's Cody Eisenbach started that again. Uh, we can get all this self-help we want, but guys, it doesn't sustain you. You can listen to Dave Ramsey all you want to, but it, it's not going to sustain you. Listen, that's what's wrong in the church today. The Holy Spirit is who sustains us. And it happened while, at a, while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, now, apparently, he knew that these guys, from, from a word, or maybe just a word of knowledge, uh, were pursuing Christ. And he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we've not even so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. They were going to a denominational church. <laughs> what? Holy Spirit? Seriously? <laughs> and he said to them, and to what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. So when they heard this, listen, these are just guys. They're, they're pursuing Christ. Listen, they're real people. It could be you and me. So when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, they were going, oh, what do we need to do? Well, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. And they were baptized in, in Jesus. And then Paul laid his hands on them. Now, when they accepted Christ, the Spirit came in them, right? You understand that? But then Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Ooh. I don't know that X-Files tune. What is it? That's the part that gets people. Oh, I liked it all the way up to there. Pastor just left off that verse because I don't like that stuff. I don't want to go there. I sure don't want to be going down the, down an H-E-B and just start speaking in tongues in my basket. Now everybody stop like looking at me like I got three eyes. I, I don't really want to go up to people and prophesy to them. Uh, that's just not me. And so people get afraid. And that's one of the big factors that keeps people from stepping into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It really is. Uh, just go up to that. They were great. They laid hands on them, then they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. Some people are just flat out afraid of the gifts of God. And we sing, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are. But I don't want your gifts. I don't want them at all. I don't want them at all. Even though you're a good, good father. No, no, no. Keep them away from me, Lord. 
You're perfect in all your your ways except the gifts because I don't want those gifts. (laughs) See how silly that sounds? It just sounds ridiculous. You're a good, good father. Our father gives us every, every good and perfect gift comes down from him. They do. Why would we be afraid of his gifts? Why would, be, why would we be afraid? Because of ignorance, because of what we've heard, what we've not experienced, and what other people say. Just error, just flat-out error. God wants you to receive and walk in the gifts that only come through the power of the Holy Spirit. Most people think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, oh, God, thank you, I want to be weird and wacky. They do. And, and I, I'm not, I'm going to be the first to admit, I've, I've seen some strange manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I've seen strange things that were not of the Holy Spirit. They were manifested by in the flesh. I've seen that. You don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, though. Some of the kids go, what does that mean? I used to hear that. How many of you have heard those terms? And you don't really know what they meant, but oh, yeah, I wouldn't throw out the baby with the bathwater. It's like when you're cleaning the baby, they have the little tubs. They still have little tubs? I'm about to find out, yeah. <laughs> and you clean the baby, you got the, the dirty bathwater there. And it's like you take the tub, you, whoo, you know, baby and water both. <laughs> you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, you just throw out the dirty water. And so many people have thrown out the gifts. They've thrown out the power of the Holy Spirit because they don't like anything associated. Because it might get a little bit messy. I don't know about you, but I've been in ministry now, this ministry, for 15 years, 16 years. It's messy. You're messy. (laughs) I'm messy. And we just deal with it by the the Spirit. So I want to go to this last passage. Really, I'm about to wrap it up. And it's going to get really good. Luke 11. Go to Luke 11. I love this passage. And I want you to know, if, if you've got questions about the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I've got lots of notes from other sermons, and I'd be glad if you just say, if you even fill out one of these prayer forms and say, I, I've got some more questions, and you want to write a question down, I would love to visit with you about that or write you or email you or send you sermon notes and scriptures. There are so many scriptures about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works and how the Holy Spirit doesn't like to be boxed in, how the Holy Spirit is not about a formula. How many of you were baptized in the Holy Spirit in church? Raise your hands real quick. How many of you like came forward and the pastor prayed for you and you were baptized in the Holy Spirit? Raise your hands. Okay. How many of you were baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, at your house? Okay. How many of you were baptized in the Holy Spirit somewhere else? Okay. Hopefully it wasn't while you were driving your car. (laughs) How many of you went to jail after you were baptized in the Holy Spirit? I was just out, Pastor. I don't know. He wouldn't do that to you, I don't think. And we, we usually, this is a really pa- a cool passage. Uh, look at verse 9, Luke 11. So I say to you, this is Jesus speaking. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, if you go back and look at the literal uh, translation of that, it means, to keep on asking, to keep on seeking, to keep on knocking, and these things will be opened up to you. Because we're going to be talking about how you receive the Holy Spirit. For everyone who asks, receives. If you seek, you find, and you knock, it will be opened to you. 
The scriptures preceding that are about the, the teaching of the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer, and then also persistence in prayer. Say persistence. So there's some people that said, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they're living a casual Christian life. They're walking into some rebellion. They're not really seeking God, but they, oh, I just want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I don't necessarily believe God can do whatever he wants to, but I don't see him giving the Holy Spirit to somebody that's not really serious about wanting the Holy Spirit. It, even though it's a gift, I don't say you earn it by any stretch of the imagination, but a gift sometimes is misconstrued. We call a gift like if somebody wanted to give you a car, would that be like a gift? Like, uh, let's just say I wanted to give Joe, I'm going to give you a Corvette. Would that be a nice gift for you? What about what if I gave it to Matthew, though, and gave him the keys to it and said, go drive? Would it be a gift to Matthew or a death trap? Bad choice, because Matthew is not very tall and he's not old enough to drive. And a lot of people say, well, I want this, but you're not actually wanting it. You're not really ready for it. You're not really persistent. You're not asking. You're not seeking. You're not knocking. You're just saying, oh, if it comes, cool. If it doesn't come, cool. That, that's the same way with tongues. People say, well, I want the gift of tongues, but they don't do anything. They just say, I just want the gift. God wants to give you these gifts, but I believe this is a, a passage that speaks to the, receiving the gifts. Let me read the rest of it. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? What's the rhetorical answer? Okay. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? No. Or if he asks for an egg. My kids never ask me for an egg. <laughs> or if he asks for an egg. Hey, Daddy, can I have an egg? <laughs> or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? No. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Say good gifts. See, God wants to give you good gifts. If, he, if you, even the evil people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? But you see this verses before that? Ask, keep on asking. Seek, keep on seeking. Knock, keep on knocking. Go after God with everything that you have. That's what it took for me. I had to come to the end of myself like the prodigal son, even though I was a Christian, had to come to the end of myself and say, God, is this it? I got to there's there's got to be more of this picture off is getting. I don't want to lay in this picture off anymore. My father's servants have it better than me. I'm going to go back to my father. He's got something good for me. And he threw him a party. He put a ring on him. He gave him sandals. He put a robe on him. God has so much more for us. And we're staying. We're trying to get the scraps at the pig's trough. Right. God wants you to have everything that he has that he can possibly give to you, but he's going to give it to you when you really are ready for it to receive it and walk in it and use those gifts to glorify him. It's not about, oh, man, I've got the gift of healing. Zabam, zabam, zabam. I've got a miracle working ministry. Man, I'm telling you, that's dangerous. He gives you gifts so you can glorify him. And we've heard so many testimonies. We're, 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 we're going to video these things. We're working on some testimonies to put on our website. We, miracle after miracle, healings after healings, restorations, marriages restored, people that have been living together are now getting married. All these things. God is doing all these things. But you know what it's about? It's about his glory. It's not about, oh, look what we did. It's about, look what God did. When I read that passage, it just speaks to me that we have a loving father that wants to give us good gifts. And he's waiting for us to get in the place where we can ask him. 
I remember asking a lot of questions. I asked God for a lot of things. I, I asked him for the Holy Spirit when I was younger. Our, our church kind of taught it. <laughs> I asked him for the gift of tongues. They kind of taught that. You know, they, they didn't really get into much of it. And I didn't know about prophesying, but he says, if you're going to go after the gifts, go after prophecy. I didn't even, I just, no, no way there's prophecy anymore. And I, I just didn't add, but some things I just asked for, but God knew I wasn't ready for them. No more than Matthew's ready to drive a Corvette. But when he's ready, and somebody says, I want to give you this vehicle, he says, thank you so much. God, thank you so much. God wants to give you these gifts. And it starts with the gift of the Holy Spirit. But I believe with all my heart, he wants you to be prepared. He wants you to come to the place of surrender so you can take the gifts and honor him by praying for the sick, by what he said. He said, you know what you're going to do? You're going to lay hands on the sick, and they're going to recover. You're going to cast out demons in my name. You're going to speak to the blind, and the blind are going to get their sight back. That's what Jesus did. That's what he did. He's going to heal the brokenhearted. How would you like to be, use these hands and this voice and go up to somebody and God said, that person needs a blessing, a touch from the Holy Spirit today, and he's going to use you as a vessel to heal their broken heart. It's not always about raising the dead. It's not always about cleansing the leper. He says he came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set the captives free. How many of you know people that are in captivity right now? Maybe you're in captivity right now. I'm not saying you're in jail, but you're in a jail of some kind. And he wants to set you free. He may, he may use you now to turn around and set somebody else free to his glory. To his glory. Would you stand this morning? Could we have the ministry team to the front? He is a good, good father. God's looking for surrendered hearts today. I can't think of the first, the most important thing to surrender is, is your soul, and your, your life to him. And an experience we call salvation just means you've gone from death to life. That's a pretty big deal. So you may be here this morning and you would like to have all these things that I'm speaking of, but you don't have the initial blessing of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And today's your day. He wants to save you. He wants to breathe into you the Holy Spirit that will change your life forever. Really, when he comes in, it changes your destiny for eternity. It, it, it's pretty, pretty awesome. How many of you have had your destiny changed by, the, by God? He's coming and saved you. And your destiny is secure this morning. Now, if you couldn't say that this morning, if you're not sure about your, de- your destiny, you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, if today was the last day of your life, You couldn't say, yes, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. If you can't say that, we want to pray for you, first and foremost. I'm going to ask you in a minute to step out and come and let somebody, one of these uh, altar ministry teams pray for you. I want you to to know that they're going to love you and pray for you and guide you through that. For the bigger bigger question is, not just water baptism, but for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to pray for you. 
And then I want you to, if, you, if you're really desiring that deeper walk, that getting on the deep end of the pool and jumping in, I want you to know you don't have to fear what God's got for you. Perfect love casts out fear, all fear. And if you've never accepted, if you've never stepped into the deep end of the pool, that today would be that day. Maybe you're just going to take that first step, but you want to know. You want to you you hear God. You want to walk in the things of the Spirit. And you want to affect the, the culture around you in your home, your workplace, and in this community, in this country. I can't imagine doing anything, what I do without the baptism, without the, the power of the Holy Spirit within me. You know, you know what I think? A lot of people just got scared when they used to call him the Holy Ghost. Maybe that was it. But he's real. He's real. He's alive. He's well. He wants to live and to come upon you in power. So, Father, this morning, as we, as we not just close the service, but we extend the service, Lord, extend this time of coming into your presence. Father, for every heart, Father, that's hungering and thirsting after you, they're seeking, asking, and knocking. Father, I pray that today's the day that they really receive the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them and they begin to operate in the things of the kingdom and affect the culture around them. Father, for that person or persons that are here today that never have given their life to you, and though their heart might be just pounding inside their chest right now, and there might be a war going on, Father, we speak that peace that passes understanding and that salvation that comes through the blood of Christ, that they would step out and make a, make a stand, a public stand, a public confession that, Jesus Christ, I want you to be Lord of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Okay, so if you need prayer this morning, first of all, for salvation. Is there someone here this morning never given your life to Christ? Amen. Thank you, brother. Come on. <laughs> I'm smiling. God's smiling. Angels rejoice. And somebody else, never given your life to Christ. Today's your day. Just want to step out. We want to pray with you. Anybody? Somebody else? We're going to pray for you. Anyone else this morning? Never have given your life to Christ. You're not even sure if you died today where you'd end up in eternity. If you're not sure, make sure. Come on. Give you just a second. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. We have a good, good Father. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? That's a two, so three's a good number. Three's a really good number. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah, y'all agree with three? There's someone else here this morning who's never given your life to Christ. Or you're not even sure about your salvation. I want to pray for you. just want to pray for you. Don't be afraid. He's a good, good Father. He wants to bless you with eternity. It starts today. Anybody else? I, I believe there's one more. I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I think there's one more. Is there one more? Just one more. Come on. Step out and come. Don't let the enemy win. And don't let him have one more moment of your life. Not one more moment. Is there one more that would come and say, I've never given my life to Christ. I'm not sure. I want to be sure. Okay. Now, the second question is, let me just ask you this. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit for any of the reasons that I've announced this morning, would you just bow your heads? 
and just say, Father, forgive me for making any judgments against the Holy Spirit. That'll have to come from you. Maybe you've made judgments. You said, well, I don't believe that. It's not real. It's this, that, whatever. The, but just repent of those judgments that you've made this morning. I had to. You know, some people even say that the gifts are from the devil. Well, isn't that ridiculous? Yeah, healing comes from the devil? I don't think so. Jesus said, a ha- he said, you mean Satan would go against Satan? He said, the house divided can't stand. So God is a good God. So if you made judgments, you just need to repent. That means to change the way you think about it. Would you open up your heart and your mind today to receive what Jesus has for you? How many of you can swim? How many of you can swim? Come on. You're pretty good swimmers. How many of you stay in the kiddie pool? Now, I'd say good swimmers. You can't swim. You're going to stay in the kiddie pool. But how many of you know that when you get older, you can't wait to get in that bigger pool? Am I right? Man, you go to that kiddie pool for so long, man, the little floaties and all that. There comes a day when you take the floaties off and the life vest, vest off, and you even say, Mom, leave me alone. I can do this. And you want to get out in the deep water? That, that's what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to get out in the deep water with him. Spirit, lead me to where my faith was, is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters, wherever you would lead me, wherever you'd call me. So if this morning, if you'd like just to pray for you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to step out and come. Come on. We want to pray for you this morning. Step out and come. There ought to be like lots of you. Come on. Step out and come. I got it. If you'd like us to pray for you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, step out and come. Really want to walk in and step into the gifts that God has for you. Wow, there's a resistance there, right? So, all you're good and all of you advancing the kingdom and power. Come on, are you here this morning and you really want everything that God has for you? I'm going to ask you to step out and come. Are you tired of walking in brokenness and and walking in, in powerlessness? We really want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to, we want to pray for you this morning. Don't be afraid. Come on. Now you have to close your eyes. Ah, this is not this is not good. Hmm. Some of you, there's a resistance there that I'm just ask the believers here this morning to begin to pray. Just release faith in this house this morning, right now in Jesus' name. We just release faith right now in Jesus. And y'all begin to pray. Man, pray in the Spirit. If you, if, you, if you pray in the Spirit, you can pray in the Spirit right now. Because there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. The enemy wants to keep you powerless. God wants you to be filled with power. The enemy wants to keep you silent. God wants to give you a voice. The enemy wants you to not affect the lives of those around you. God wants you to affect the lives of everybody around you. Come on. Step out and come this morning. I want to pray for you. Come on. Step out and come. We want to pray for you this morning. Come on. Yes, sir.